It is a special edition of Legends Territory, Braun and Kratz. Thanks to our MLB Players Alumni Association fam for setting up the best former player interviews out there. And for more info on your favorite former players, it's baseballalumni.com. And if you're watching this show, you can listen to this show wherever you get your pods, vice versa. If you're listening, you can watch it on the FT YouTube channel. Ready for this? Bringing in a big bopper. 13 years in the bigs, all with the fills, three-time All-Star, Silver Slugger, Rookie of the Year, MVP, NLCS MVP, Home Run Derby winner, and most importantly, 2008 champ. Or maybe even more importantly, friend of Eric Kratz. That's not as important as the 08 World Series Championship or the 2004 Eastern League Player of the Year. Like, we can't forget that kind of stuff. Like the That's guy, why you're here. The piece is here. Big piece. Big piece. What's going on, Ryan? And we got your boy Eric Kratz for this one. How you doing? What's going on, fellas? That was great. That was great. Doing well. <laughs> I don't want to miss anything, and that's why Kratz is here, because he will not just say, oh, 08, I got 04 for you. Yeah. Yeah. 2004 <laughs> was a crazy, that was a crazy year in uh, Reading, Pennsylvania, AA. That was, uh, I think, anybody who got to kind of see 2006, my uh, first full season in, in Philly, Reading was probably like that, but even crazier. I don't know what was going on down there, but balls were just flying out of the park left and right. So that was that was a lot of fun. They were not. They were they were flying out of the park. They were going deep sauce. I mean, Big Piece goes, <laughs> Howie goes, Oppo Taco in Citizens Bank, and then everybody's like, oh, you know, I'm going to hate on him. He hits the ball to left center like righties were hitting balls to left center. Well, in Reading, they had this like, they had this like walkway in left, and then there's like a berm, and then there's a wall behind that. If you ever go to Reading Phillies, great place to go watch a game, kind of in the middle of nowhere, PA, which is, you know, you couldn't hide anywhere as Ryan Howard in the middle of in the middle <laughs> of Reading, Pennsylvania. He was hitting balls off of that wall up above like the wall that's like it's like keeping people out of the park area. Like literally the man was hitting the ball out of the stadium. So yeah, maybe, maybe they, maybe they didn't put the humidor in the, in the park that year in Reading. Oh no, 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 no shot. No shot. Reading was a launching pad. Reading was a launching pad. So it was, it was one of the best places to play just from the fan standpoint. Um, I think we had like a losing record that year, but it didn't matter because the fans still came out. Um, you know, in full force. I think we had like, you know, sellouts or close to sellouts. Now we did, we did at that time, I have our first rounder that was on the team. Uh, my man, G flow, Gavin Floyd was on there. So yeah. I think people were kind of showing up, you know, trying to get that, trying to get that autograph before he got up to the league and whatnot. So, but no, we I had a lot of fun in Reading, man. Just such a, a great group of guys. And crazy. it's like, you know, some of the best times I've had in baseball were, were minor leagues. Like, you know, going to all the different cities and just, you know, when we were doing it, the bus rides, the bus mm-hmm. rides were done. Now I've heard like some of these teams now they get to fly. So, you know, we were roughing it nice little 16, 17 hour bus ride. So yeah, you got, you got some time to get to know your teammates uh, uh, that way. Yeah. Very few MVPs or future MVPs spend as much time in the minor leagues as you did. Not saying you were a career minor league lifer, but like you got to experience the Reading to Portland trip and it's like mid-May and you go to Portland and you're like, wait a minute, there's still piles of snow up here. Like, what are oh, we yeah. doing? Like, ain't nobody oh, have time for that. 
Oh, no, 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 no shot, bro. I'll take you back even further. Like, going back to the Sally League, we were in Lakewood, <laughs> New Jersey, making treks down to Rome, Georgia on the bus. You know, so it was nice, like I said, 17, 20-hour bus rides and, uh, you know, making stops at 1, 2 in the morning at whatever, you know, gas station or whatever was open. And, and then guys were wide awake at, you know, 3, 4 in the morning when other guys are trying to sleep. So that was a nice little uh, fun bus ride the rest of the way. So the, those are the times you'll never forget and, and some of the, the best best times looking back. As pissed as pissed as you were when you had to eat a hot roller at one in the morning at a at a quick stop, you got a hot dog, hot dog on the roller. If everybody doesn't know what a hot roller is, a hot roller, you're pissed. It's funny that you're that pissed during that time, but you never forget that because you are literally bonding with your teammates because you're doubling up. You're and I'm sorry, Howie, you cannot be doubling up with anybody with those big shoulders. I'd double up with your legs, your calves, but I wouldn't double up with your I wouldn't double up with your <laughs> that broad shoulders, this big old chest of yours. No chance. No room. Oh no, bro. But you know by that time, like everybody's sprawled out. You got guys laying on the floor, guys got their feet across to the other section of the bus. So, like to get to the bathroom is an obstacle course. Like <laughs> It was like an American Ninja Warrior trying to get – because you're climbing over seats, trying to dodge bodies. And don't let the bus driver hit a bump and you slip because somebody's getting stepped on. Like, that's it's just what happened to try to get back to get to the bathroom, man. It was it was craziness. So we all had a, a, a plan or, or some kind of program we kind of put together so that everybody could try to get as comfortable as they, as they possibly could on the bus. But, like – Guys, if there was room up top in the little storage area, like the smaller guys would get up there and and lay down. So it was whatever you had to do to get comfortable, bro. This is like, I love it. I love it that you're talking about this because as, you know, the accolades you got in your big league career, I tell about these stories. And AJ Pruszynski, who's on the rate on our normal show, FT, He's always like, eh, I didn't really know about the minor leagues. So I love it that I love it that an MVP is all about remembering those stories. But I'm gonna take you back to high school before we go to your illustrious big league career. Because okay. right now you have you've impacted, like, I'm sure besides Chase in the Philly area, there is kids named Ryan and Howard that were born from 2006 to 2012 that range because you made such an impact well now all those kids are going through the travel circuit and you know what they're looking for they're looking for the d1 scholarship you know what howie didn't have any what what was that like going into that like that time in your life where you're like man like yeah every all my buddies or or i know some people who have scholarships all that stuff and you're sitting there like uh I like to play baseball. <laughs> you know what? It's it's a completely different time today with scholarships. Um, you know, when 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 we were going through school and you didn't have a scholarship, like you didn't have to have a scholarship until maybe your junior <laughs> senior year. Like if, if you didn't have one, then it was still no worries because it was still time. It's like today, if you're not verbally committed somewhere by the time you're a freshman or a sophomore it's like you're behind the you're behind the a ball 
So there's not a whole, not a whole lot for some of these kids to, to, to be able to try to have that opportunity like I did. So where like when I came out of high school, yeah, I didn't have a scholarship. I was offered. I didn't, what happened was I didn't pass like one of my standardized tests in time. I was recruited out of high school, but then by the time I had gotten my stuff together and actually had passed the test, like the recruiting period was pretty much over. So um, went to a couple of schools, um, actually went to Southern Illinois Carbondale, did a visit over there, and then went to the eventual school that I wound up going to, Missouri State, which at the time was Southwest Missouri State. <laughs> and man, like met with, with Coach Gutton down there who, shout out to Coach G, he's retiring after like a thousand years down there. He's been there for like 40 plus years. The program has only had two coaches in uh, its entirety. So Coach G went there, played there. So I want to give a shout out to him. He's actually the reason, uh, Kratzy, I learned how to go to the opposite field. Come on. So he taught me how to go oppo uh, when I got to college. But the one thing I loved about it and loved about him was he told me straight up, he said, look, We'd love to have you, but we don't have any more scholarships this year. He said, and if you come, he's like, I can't guarantee you playing time because we got two JUCO transfers coming in. And the thing that struck me was I love the honesty that him being up front. But I think the thing that got me was the two JUCO transfers coming in because I was like, bro, I'm down for the competition. Like you're telling me I don't expect you to just let me come out here and play. Like I want to go and earn it and compete. And so um wound up going to Missouri State and you know was able to beat out the two JUCO transfers that that came in and was able to start as a as a freshman and the rest was history the rest was history but you got drafted by the Phillies okay so fifth round fifth round I think fifth round so now you're 2003 you're like yeah you know I'm kind of feeling it I'm I like this. Clearwater's hot. I'd like to get out of Clearwater, but you know what? It's fine. I'm I'm doing well. They signed Jim Tomey. Oh. At the time, the most prolific home run hitter in, you know, in Cleveland's history. And you're like, you know, he's on the court, he's on the he's on the course to be a Hall of Famer. Like, and you're like, wait a minute, like, I can't be catching balls in left field. Like, how how did that how did that signing feel? I know you're still only in high A, but you're thinking like, dang, like Tommy's going to be here for a minute. I kind of yeah, want to be in the big leagues. So what, well, how was that for you? So luckily going back to high school, um, I had a coach who was my soft, uh, sophomore coach. And he was also one of my, my old travel ball coaches. And so Sophomore year, I started out, me and another kid that were sophomores started working out with the varsity team. And then they sent me down back to the sophomore squad and they kept him up because he was a pitcher third baseman and we didn't have too many pitchers. He threw probably about like 87, 88. So like at that time, it was like, yeah, you need you need arms up there. And so when they sent me down to the sophomore team, my coach on the sophomore squad set me aside. He said, look, bro. He's like, I know you're upset, but you got two choices. You can either sing your shoulda, coulda, wouldas and sulk and be upset or put all your energy and focus into what you need to do to get back up to the varsity squad or whatever. And I said, 
yeah, you're right, bro. And so I just went and put all my focus and energy into doing what I needed to do to get back up to varsity and then wound up getting back up to varsity like mid-year and like obviously like being one of the better hitters on the team. So I took that. That's always been something that I've lived by. And once I got into the situation of, you know, my first full season in Lakewood and the, the Phillies, I remember hearing it like from my agent at the time. It was like, oh, yeah, there's rumors that the Phillies might sign Jim Tommy. He's like, ah, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. And then like three days later, they signed him. Like, I remember sitting there because it was my first full season. This was like 02. And I just remember sitting there saying like, man, like the fan in me was like, oh, my God, like, damn, the Phillies just signed Jim Tommy. That's so cool. And then the player that's about to be starting a full season of minor league ball in the Phillies organization that plays the same position is like, damn, they just signed Jim Tommy. So <laughs> I had a decision to make. And I said, look, man, my goal is to get to the big leagues one way or the other, whether that's with the Phillies or if it's in another uniform. So I put all my energy into doing what I needed to do. I knew I wasn't going to get rushed through the minor league. So I was like, I just needed to develop and do what I need to do to get to that next level and ultimately get to the big leagues, whether it was with the Phillies or somewhere else. Did you think it was going to be with the Phillies? Because I, I mean, I, really I, I know during that time it was veterans, like veterans are the dudes like they could go out and find another first baseman. They could find another first baseman to play in AAA. Did you think it was going to be with the Phillies? You know what? I honestly didn't know. I mean, you know how they always say in, in FIL, like, hey, there's 29 other teams out there. <laughs> you know, if you're, you're, you're always playing, somebody's always watching. So I was like, hey, there's 29 other teams out there. So my goal is to, you know, try to force their hand one way or the other and, and control what I can control. And that was just going out there and trying to ball out. And then, you know, tr really just take it out of their hands to where it's like, I'm not going to give you a choice to keep me down, like either you're going to bring me up or you're going to trade me. You know what I mean? So it was one of those things to where it's just like, go out here and go perform and let the rest take care of itself. And it, and it did. All right. So let's fast forward to, well, you already hit on your reading time, hitting all those dingers, going up to triple a hitting some more dingers. Then you get called up to the big leagues. You did fine. 2004. Did all right. <laughs> Almost a thousand OPS. You know, people say, "Ah, oh, small sample size." Blah blah blah. Look, you got the nineteen games that they let you play in, and you absolutely smashed. But then you don't make the team in two thousand five. Are you back into that same mindset? Oh, I gotta, I gotta do what I gotta do. Or are you a little, you a little pissed off? No, I mean, I knew, I knew what it was gonna be, and then I knew that they were talking about, uh, you know, potentially trying to have me go and play in the outfield. And they actually sent me to the Arizona Fall League that year in 04 um, and had Milt Thompson come out yep. and work on playing outfield, work with me playing outfield. Milt came out for three days and that was like, and that was it. Like I played outfield for like two games and then all of a sudden uh, our coach, one of our coaches for our Fall League team, E. Rich, Eric Richardson was there. And I was like, yeah, E, because he, he, when I when Eric saw me, he was like surprised. And I was like, yeah, they sent me out here to come play left field. He's like, what? <laughs> so apparently he didn't get the memo. But uh, Milt showed up, worked with me for a few days. I played a couple games in the outfield, and they were like, nah, bro, we're going to keep you at first. I already knew what it was because I was like, 
they're going to bring me into spring training. They're going to put me in the outfield to show the media that they were trying and all that good stuff. Because you still had the same situation with Burl. Because yep. now you're talking about trying to platoon me in the in the outfield, and you got Pat in left field. So I'm like, how's this going to work? So that's where I already knew it was like, this isn't going to work. They're going to have me go work out there and then see what's what. And then I think Charlie like basically looked to bang it and was like, nah, I see you as a first baseman, bro. I was like, well, I appreciate that, Charlie. So thanks. <laughs> no way, no way Chuck was out there. Well, well, you know, I, I you know, I, I really like Pat in the outfield, you know, because he can he can really catch the ball. No way. Chuck was like, oh boy, I gotta put Pat out there. Hopefully, right. hopefully Rowan can run around. Hopefully Vic hopefully Vic can run around in the outfield and help <laughs> help one of you boys out, either Pat or you out in left field. You can oh, play it. as well as Pat played out there in the cement shoes. Man, I look, I'm only going to give you one area. I'm going to give it toward the line. Anything in the middle, in the gap, whoever's playing center field, bro, you better pick me up. That's it. That's Vic's. That's Vic's area. All right. right. So so now take us to your rookie year. Like, mm-hmm. what? You hit 16 pumps in the bushes. You're down in Scranton. Were they in Scranton at that time, or were they in? <coughs> Scranton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys were in Scranton. Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. Mm-hmm up in Pennsylvania. So you're not far. You're just up the, you're just up the road from, from Philly, but you hit 16 pumps there and you finally get called up. What was that rookie season? Like you had already been in the big league. So you kind of, you you had felt it out, but new stadium, new, you know, the Phillies, the Phillies are not quite where the Phillies were going to be the year, the next year where they start, you guys started making a run. But what was that rookie year like for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that first first year kind of coming up, 05, I mean, as you mentioned, started out in Scranton, was just like, hey, man, back, you know, back to business, you know, control <laughs> what you can control. Tome gets hurt um, early, go up, and, uh, you know, I think I was up for like a couple of weeks, and, you know, he, I think he had some back issues and whatnot, and so I was up for a couple of weeks. And then just kind of got out to a slow start. I really, I realized um, that the grass in Wrigley Field is really thick on the infield. And because I hit a ground ball, man, like I was battling. I think it was like Kerry Wood or, or Pryor or somebody. And I was battling, bro. And I hit a hard ground ball that just died. I'm like, oh, this is a base hit up the middle. And then next thing I know, I'm turning back right and going back to the dugout. So I had like a slow start, you know, that that first kind of stretch and then, you know, went back down. But it was that thing, like once you got a taste, you know, once you got a real taste of being up there and being able to play, um, you know, and then you go back down, it was just like, all right, I got to I got to get back up there. And so then when Tone got hurt and was out for the rest of the year, I was like, all right, this is this is it this is my time to go up here and just do me. And I remember, I think it was either uh, Todd Zalinski or, you know, Salisbury, one of, one of the, the, the media writers for up in Philly that asked me, you said, you know, do you feel any pressure? Like, you know, trying to fill Jim Tomey's shoes and these are some big shoes to fill. And I said, no, I said, cause I'm not Jim Tomey. So, I said, there's only one Jim Tomey. I'm not him. So I know if I do what I'm capable of doing, I think we'll be all right. 
So went out there, just did my thing. And next thing you know, it was, it was great. And what made it great was uh, we were actually in a playoff push. We were in the hunt and, you know, it was so much fun because we were showing up to the ballpark and everybody was excited. Um, I think the last day we needed to go in and like sweep Washington or something like that. And we did that. And, and then that's when Houston um, and the Cubs, I think we're playing because we went in the, love, in the clubhouse and Houston was playing the Cubs. And I think uh, one of the guys hit like a hard line drive. We needed the Cubs to win. And I think Chris Burke made the catch at second. And so, our season was over because we would have had a playoff, like a one-game playoff with Houston. And that's when they wound up going to the series. And I believe losing to uh, AJ over there. Yep. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's when they they made it all the way and AJ swept them out of the building. Yeah. Um, so now you got your rookie of the year. You got your – the next year, the MVP season. I mean, 58 mm-hmm. pumps. 58 pumps. I want to take you to – was that the year when you had the three homers against – was that against Huddy. Hudson? Mm-hmm. So you hit three homers. You come around third base and you hit the you hit the Michael Jordan on him. You get the, like, I don't – like, were you really in awe of yourself or were you in awe of yourself because you boys were having fun mm-hmm. and you were also getting after it on the field? You know, I, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, you know, it was like that game, it was crazy because leading up to that game, I was like two for 12 against Huddy. And so, you know, then some stuff just, just happened to click and, you know, was able to get into the situation of, you know, the process of elimination with pitches because Huddy would always get me out with that cutter. And so, like, once I hit the cutter – then it's kind of like you start eliminating pitches to where it's like, all right, he's going to show it to me. And then you're going to come with a curveball. So now I'm going to look for the curveball. Boom, curveball. Well, now I hit your cutter. I hit your curveball. You got one thing left to do, fastball away. Go fastball away. Went that way. So it just happened to be where the chips kind of fell in my favor um, that day. And I guess either I was guessing right or doing something. But uh, but to have it happen, man, it was it was such an amazing year. I think I, looking back at it now, it's like, bro, like how did you how did you do it? <laughs> like how did it how did it even happen? So to 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 get that locked in and and uh, be able to do do that was was amazing, bro. You guys were building momentum with Jimmy already being there, Chase and you establishing yourself. Cole's starting to come up. You guys are building that group, not to use the Yankees analogy, you know, the core four guys. Did you guys see it after that year when you were MVP of the 2006 season? Did you guys see it like, okay, now we're going to roll? Because Jimmy's comments started firing up some Mets fans. Did you guys talk about that? Were you like, okay, this is it. Like we're, we're bringing the, we're bringing 1980s back to the, back to the bank right now no you know what we we really didn't talk about it but i think the thing is is that we all just knew um we were all competitors i mean the very first time i ever met brett myers i'll give you that story um first time i ever brett meyer met brett myers we were out 
and about it was like fall instructional league and we were all out in like ebor city and get in there i'm this is like my first fall league or whatever or second fall league and myers is in there and i go up to him and say hey what's up bro like you know ryan howard nice to meet you and you know brett brett <laughs> brett's had a couple and he's like i know who you are he said and i'll strike you out now i'm forgetting you know i'm leaving out some words because you know it's probably a family show but i was just like okay i said well we're in the club but when we get to the field bro it's not but space and opportunity and that right there showed me like this dude is a competitor i'm like bro you might be one of the top prospects in the organization but i don't give a damn like let's go you know what i mean and that is what we had where guys that didn't care and they were just true competitors and when you put that together to where no matter how it was that you went about it or what your character was at the end of the day everybody wanted to win and then when we finally saw it in ourselves I think that's where things started to change. And then Jimmy goes out and makes the comment of saying like, hey, no, like I think we're the team to beat, you know, as he should. And then we wound up uh, doing what we needed to do and, and wound up getting over the hump and getting into the playoffs that year. So this is a family show, but you can say what Brett Myers said because we have Brett Myers on the show. So this, we're, 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 all, we're all unfiltered here. <laughs> So, so whatever, whatever you feel like, whatever story you feel like you need to express from your time okay. there is totally good. But since you brought up Brett Myers and we're talking about some dudes that start like, you know, making their way into the big leagues. What about the uh, KK story with Brett Myers? What, what, what was your what was your role you, in this? In you this, just uh, feel you just would feel so bad for KK. <laughs> Because KK was just, he was just abused. He Kyle was abused. Kendrick. Kyle Kendrick. Yes, who, Kyle Kendrick. Kyle about. Kendrick. And it was just like, it was like Brett's life mission to just uh, have as much fun at the expense of Kyle as, as he possibly could. When they did the whole, hey, you got traded um, for, uh, what's his face, the, the hot dog eating guy. And, <laughs> Kobayashi. Um, Kobayashi. Yeah, Kobayashi. <laughs> I mean, and everybody, everybody was in on it, and it was just like, bro, good, good luck, man. Like, you know what? You're you're gonna be fine over there, and and just you know how Kyle would get these blank stares and this blank look on his face, like when Ruben was telling him and Charlie. Oh my gosh, like those guys both deserve like an Academy Award for just how they just laid it on, and then to have the media involved. I mean, I was like. Bro, this is just this is too it, much. But of course, it had Myers all over it. Was it too far? Did they take it too far? Because because I say that because I remember talking to you when I first came up to the big leagues in '11, and I was like, "Man, you guys really treat rookies really well." Other teams that I've been mm-hmm. on, like they absolutely crush rookies. I mean, you know, you know how. <laughs> and and you said you go, dude. All we want to do is win. He's like, if a guy comes up to the big leagues. He's not coming up to just fill a spot. He's coming up to help us win. So we want to make these guys feel comfortable. So do you feel like they took that prank a little too far? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff that helps bring you closer, I think, as a team to where it's like, okay, the, the amount of relief on his face when he found out he's not going to Japan, 
He's like, I don't even know. Can they do this? Can they send me to Japan? He had no clue. So, I mean, it, it, it brought everybody closer. And for as much as Myers would get on uh, Kyle, like, you know, they were still good to where, um, you know, they'd still be kind of, everybody had good relationships to where we were still talking and, 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 and being able to feed off of each other. So, um, you know, I don't think it was too far. I think it was, I think it was hilarious and, um, you know, just, just having, having some fun. Brent said in his, in his legends territory, his, his version of this show, while he talked about a lot about beers, a lot, a lot about beers. The, uh, the one thing he said about the Phillies team was you guys were a tight clubhouse, but you didn't necessarily go out to dinner a lot. Was he, was he right on that? Was he, was there something to that? Was it just different ages of guys? Uh, I mean, we were, we were a very tight clubhouse. And like I said, it was because everybody wanted to, wanted to win. You had all different kinds of personalities. You had, you had Shane who all he did was eat sugar every day. You had Jimmy who was the swag. You had Chase who was like the hard nose. Like you had Myers who was the asshole. And he would tell you that everybody would say it. He's the asshole. You had J-Dub who was sarcastic, but the thing was, and then you had Pat who, Pat's just his own entity. And um, the thing about it is, is that, again, we all had one common goal and desire, and that was to win. So it didn't really matter about all the other stuff. It was just, hey, how do we come together, come together to win? Now, we did have a lot of guys that were very um, uh, good on the charitable fronts because we had guys that had a lot of foundations, and the guys would come out and support each other um, in their foundation events. And so um, I think that was very big. You know, we did stuff in spring training where um, actually that's not necessarily true with what Myro said, because Myro must have forgot. We used to go bowling all the time in spring training. So it was like me, Jimmy, Brett, Milt, and then whoever else wanted to come, we would do bowling in spring training on like, I think it was like Wednesday nights or something like that. And so it was like, we'd get up to maybe 10, 15 guys, whether it was big leagues or minor league guys in camp. And we would all go, go bowling. And then like we put teams together and losing team had to pay. So again, just more competition, but now this is just outside the clubhouse, which I think, you know, continued to bring us, bring us closer. I, I remember you guys going bowling. I wasn't on the team at that time, but I was over at, I was over at the Dunedin complex, yeah, yeah, and a bunch of those dudes would, you know, we'd come out and be like, "Oh yeah, it's a Wednesday night, it's a Wednesday mm -hmm. night roll." And we always thought Jimmy was the best bowler, but maybe was it you, Peace? Uh, you know, I, I'd have some some moments. Myro was really good. Brett really, was really good. Yeah, Brett was really good. Rednecks can bowl. Never knew that. Yeah, man, he's got a bowling alley at his crib, man. <laughs> he's got one at his house. Now that yeah. that I'm not that I'm not surprised about. <laughs> All right. So you, so you said, so you said, I'm also not surprised about the fact that he said he forgot, but it was all about winning. What was that celebration like in 2008? I asked so many people, what's the, what's the champagne like? What was that celebration? The party that I know went into seven, eight 30 the next morning out on the main line at, at Myers house and where were the other parties at? Like, what was what was that like? Just the whole scene, not just the game, because we can see you, you know, 
you coming in and crushing Lidge and and Chooch. But what was that whole after that, the party and, and everything that you guys were doing? Um, it was amazing, man. Um, definitely needed some some Visine or Lumify for the eyes because, you know, that <laughs> stuff kind of stings a little bit. But um, but it was amazing because it, we we had reached the pinnacle. You know, any kid that and any person that's ever played the game, you know, you play this game to, to win championships. And, you know, we were lucky enough to be able to achieve that and to do it with that group of guys um, was something amazing. I mean, obviously the parties just were sheer debauchery. Um, I mean, we went back to Burl's place um, for a little bit, you know, just had drinks and and hung out there. And then, you know, obviously the turnout for the parade. You know, to see all these people um, coming out and thanking us and, you know, throwing beers on the float and um, it, just just the show of support from the city because the city was starving for a championship. And so to be able to deliver that, you know, after that long time period of being able to uh, finally bring a championship to Philadelphia and seeing the fans all coming out, you got people climbing up, you know, street poles and hanging off buildings and then trees and just all kind of stuff. Like, man, what was that? Oh, eight. Darian was probably like nine or stuff, probably seeing stuff he shouldn't have seen. Cause you know, uh, you know, for that age. So, uh, but no, but it was a lot of fun, man. It was so much fun that just to be able to share that with the fans and, and then get in there and get speeches and, J-Dub's got the incredible hawk fist and Chase is dropping F-bombs. And it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. You guys it, was, just, it was typical of our team. It was – that is – when I joined the team in 11, that is exactly – you know, watching you guys from afar, that's what I saw. Like, it was like, well, this is exactly the people that you guys portray in the media. Yeah, there might have been some good stories from when you guys were single, running in Philadelphia, all that stuff. But that it was you guys were a genuine group of people. What you saw in the media is exactly what you guys were in the clubhouse, and you guys wanted to win. So during this whole time, you're looking to win, you're competitive, all that stuff. So now we're at 2008. You have 58 homers, 47 homers. 48 homers, okay? You have an MVP, fifth place, and second place voting in the MVP, okay? You don't make your second all-star team until 2009, just so I'm getting this right. That mm -hmm. was in Pittsburgh, right? Uh, the first one was in Pittsburgh. First second one was in, one was in St. Louis, so St. my Louis. hometown. So yeah. your hometown. So that's, yeah. that's where I want to go. You're going back to your hometown. Your son, Darian D, is 10 now at this point, 9 or 10 at this point. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you're on a trajectory to be a Hall of Famer? Is that something that you're, goes through your mind? Because you are absolutely you're – mo you're the most dangerous left-handed hitter in the game. I know Pujols hits from the right side. You're coming into his city, which technically you could tell him it's actually my city because I grew up here in – outside of St. Louis, I'm a Missouri boy. How 
are you looking at yourself? Are you like, dude, I am a Hall of Famer at this point. I'm just, I don't see anything getting in my way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, like, I guess the way I came out the gates, um, you know, with, you know, the 58, and I think it was like, you know, three more seasons or something like that with 40-plus home runs and 120-plus RBI, you know, to continue to do that. Um, you know, yeah, I think it would be hard not to to look at yourself or, or think that that's the trajectory that you're on. Um, St. Louis was cool in the sense of being able to go back for the All-Star game, obviously being hometown and uh, being able to go – go back home, but it was one, it was, it was really special for me because I got to share in that home run derby. Um, I had my, uh, other, um, old high school summer ball coach, uh, be my BP guy in the home run derby. So, and I wanted to share that moment with him because this is where it all started for me in St. Louis. And he was a big, big part of that. And so, I'd asked him to be my home run uh, derby pitcher. And so, of course, he accepted, and he was nervous as hell. And I said, D, it's just, bro, it's just you and me, just like it was back in the cage. And, you know, we we got to the second round, and, uh, you know, ultimately uh, Prince Fielder wound up winning. So, But uh, it was a special time going back to St. Louis for that. All right. So you're talking about big power hitting lefties. Yeah. Look at Big Poppy. Look at Big yeah. Poppy. Look at Prince Fielder. Look at you. All dudes that are all-star MVP type of players and how each of you kind of went off in your own direction. Like Big Poppy's a Hall of Famer. You had your Achilles. Prince had the neck injury. How – you can't plan for any of that kind of stuff, but how does this how does this shape your legacy – as a player in the big leagues, not just in Philly, but as a player in the big leagues. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, you just never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, obviously having the Achilles tear and not being able to really like come back the way I wanted to come back from that. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough, but I mean, that's, you know, that's just what happens. I mean, when you look at, you look at Prince's situation where it was, you know, he had to shut it down because of his, his neck. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because I, I loved playing against Prince. I used to love <laughs> it. And I, I, loved, I loved watching Prince hit homers. You know how Charlie would always say, like, Charlie always loved people hitting homers. And that's, even when they hit him against us. Yep. Um, you know, I, I love watching Prince's homers because it was like I knew off the bat, like, it was gone. So, but I would always love watching his reaction and like how violent it was. So, it, you know, to see, you know, him have the injury that he had, uh, you know, me having my injuries. I mean, injuries are part of the game and, you know, that's just part of it, man. Being, being lucky enough to be able to avoid those injuries and stay healthy and be productive. So, uh, you know, that's just how uh, sometimes that's just how the ball bounces. So was there anybody that you had beef with when you played? You said how much you loved watching Prince play and Chuck <clears> loved seeing dingers. I always tell the story about Cliff when we'll get to Cliff later, but Cliff gave up a homer. He's like, Chuck goes, well, 
thanks for letting me thanks for letting me see that cliff and cliff was like what he said thanks for letting me see him hit that home run like i like that i like seeing home runs but did you have any beef with anybody did you have any where you were like man like maybe you said maybe somebody did something to although chase always felt like he was gonna fight somebody but were you did you ever have any beef with anybody no, I think that was Chase's just MO of getting hyped up for the game. Um, you know, but no, I never I never had beef with, with anybody. Uh was always cool. Like to me it was just always keeping it in the game. You know, like today guys are able to celebrate more and you know allow their personalities to come out, right? So I'm I'm all for it as long as you, you keep it in the game. Like if I get struck and if if a pitcher strikes me out and fist pumps me, then, all right, I'm going to just make a mental note and be like, all right, I'm not going to go out here and go try to beat the guy up because he's. I feel like he's showing me up. He did what he needed to do. He struck me out. But if I get you the next time I come up and I hit a homer on you, believe there's going to be a parade around the bases, as there <laughs> should be. So it's like you keep it in the game and just keep it about the game and don't get like upset and start taking the stuff personal because it's a game. It's a game. Like, you get an interception in football, the guys will run 100 yards to the other end zone to go get in front of the camera and celebrate it. Like, baseball at that time was, like, the only sport where you could not celebrate doing something. So I think as long as you keep it, you know, within the game and and do it tastefully or whatnot, like, man, have, have fun, bro. Have fun. Race your game. Make a better pitch. Don't swing at that pitch. You know, so, but it does suck if the umpire makes a horrible call and then the guy fist pumps you. That's, yeah, that one, that one sucks. <laughs> that, that one's insult to injury. <laughs> that should does. We, should we, should we do that more? Should we let, should we let the players not let the players play, but like do that? Has the game come far enough? Or is this why baseball maybe has lost some popularity? I don't know, man. I, to me, it's like I love seeing the energy. And I think that's the difference between guys that go straight to pro ball and guys that go to college. Because college is a little bit more rah-rah. So, like, you know, you're used to when guys hit home runs, guys are jumping out of the dugout and doing all that kind of stuff and, you know, high-fiving and, and all that kind of stuff. To where now when guys are hitting homers, yeah, you're seeing them jump over – especially in the playoffs, you're seeing them jump over the, uh, the rail and, and, you know, running down the rail and getting hyped up and this and that or whatnot. So, I mean, I think it brings more excitement for, for the players, um, more energy in that aspect. I know you got a lot of traditionalists that are like, Hey, act like you've been there before, but it's like, bro, it's a kid's game. We're playing a kid's game. Like, you got to let your little your, your your inner child come out, you know, every once in a while and and just enjoy the game. Like I said, you're not trying to show people up, but keep it in the game. I'll go back to where this all started when Batista hit that home run in the playoffs uh, mm. against Texas. Mm-hmm. I remember watching. I forget the, the pitcher's name, but Dyson. Uh, who is it? Dyson. Dyson. That's right. And so he threw the pitch before. And I remember watching. I was like, oof. You better not throw that down. Throw that again. Like whoever the catcher is right now, you like you better put some different fingers down because if you throw it again, I'm like Batista's not. He's not missing that pitch. He's going to hit it out. And he threw it again. He hit it. 
right? Now, here's where the issue came into play. I think there might have been a little too much pine tar because his batting glove looked like he got stuck. But when he threw the bat, I think he was trying to throw it back towards his dugout. Like, if he would have thrown the bat towards his dugout, I have, like, there's no issue. But I remember watching it, and the bat landed in front of Texas's dugout. Now it's like, oof. I remember being like, oh, yeah, that's that's not good. Like, I didn't have a problem with him throwing the bat, but when it went towards Texas's dugout, that's where I'm like, issues could arise. So if you're going to flip it, flip it towards your dugout, <laughs> not the other team's dugout. So you so so you have standards, even though you want to see a parade around around the home runs, you have standards. So so are we moving in enough in the right direction in the current game in letting letting these guys emotions and personalities out? Or are we still are we are we just right now in the Ryan Howard parameters when before we were in the Larry Boa parameters? Like, no fun. You guys don't have fun. You went three for four. What did you do wrong in that for that bat? You know, now we're in the Ryan Howard parameters where it's right. like, okay, no flipping towards the dugout. Right. I think you got to, again, I think if you can keep it tastefully done, because we got to remember, right, kids are watching, right? So I've seen it to where these little kids are imitating, you know, they want to go do the Euro steps like Acuna and Ozuna, you know, coming around the bases and doing all that kind of stuff. So, the kids are watching and they're they're emulating what these guys are doing. So again, it's just it, I think you got to keep it tasteful, but you know, and 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 keep it keep it fun. I think you do have to have a little bit of uh, of fun and just yeah, let it let it eat, man. Let let that personality out. But just remember that the kids are watching. All right. Well, the kids were watching in Philly when you guys were in the playoffs. You were watching in Philly these last two years when the current Phillies were in the playoffs and making their run, losing in game six of the world series, losing this year in game seven of the NLCS, which was louder Th- these two years or the five years that you guys were in. Oof. Um, you can be honest. You ain't hurting. Anybody's man, feelings. I, I would have to say, you know, it, it, I would, def- I definitely say it's very close. Um, I mean, Oh, it was like what? That's it's crazy now. It's like fifteen years ago. <laughs> fifteen years, <laughs> crazy, year, bro. Are... It's crazy. Um, you know, I would say it was probably it, they're probably about the same. They're probably about the same. I mean, the the, the bank gets to rocking, and people just don't understand. Um, I was down here in Atlanta uh, last year. We went to the games, and you know when the Phillies won, and they were going back to Philly. I remember telling um, Kevin Beal with the Phillies, I said, I said, bro, I said, the Braves don't know what they're about to get themselves into, like going up in the Philly, because this is the first time they've had the playoffs and, and since we were there. And so uh, I said, hell, I said, the Phillies don't even know what they're getting themselves into because they haven't experienced it. So that was one thing for me was I was super excited for those guys to finally get to experience the other side of the Philly fans and how fanatical they are. And once they get behind you, just like how crazy it is. Um, you know, I think there was a couple guys that were still on the team. I remember like Nola, um, 
a few other guys that were there still, like when my last couple of years there. And it was awful. It was awful. But like, but for them to be able to experience that, um, you know, the joy and the jubilation of what the Philly fans are, it's like once you get hit with that, bro, it's you don't want anything else. And once you get into the postseason and you make it to the World Series, it's like everything else, like nothing else matters. Like, and, you know, from the baseball sense, it, it's like it's World Series and or, or bust. So it, everybody has everybody starts out with that mindset. But once you get there and get a taste of it and you know what it feels like, it, it, it hits different. And Citizens Bank Park hits different. I tell people that, like when you hear it on TV, like imagine being there in person. It's it's insane. It's intoxicating. It is. So what's the what's your best piece of advice or what's the advice you would give to Bryce Harper right now being the guy in Philly cuz you were the guy in Philly what would you what kind of advice would you give to Harp He's got it right now he's got it just keep being you just keep being you he, I mean he's playing his game he's doing his stuff it's not trying to go above and beyond he's just He's just being him. I mean, he's being a leader. He, they've got a great group of guys, a close-knit uh, group of guys, and they get it. I think they get it. Um, you know, they, they've figured out – I think they've figured out who they are as a team and what their their character is as a team. And I think that's what, that's what, takes, that's what it takes to have success is when you figure out who you are as a team um, – you know, then you're you're able to come together and and move in the direction you want to move. So, um, Harp just needs to keep doing what he's doing. You know, and you know, trust trust his teammates, play his game, do his thing. All right, I need you to tell me if I'm wrong and I should stop peddling this around. But I said uh -oh. the peep the the person because teams in the in the National League East used to build their bullpens to make sure they could get Ryan Howard and Chase Utley out. Mm. And I said, I'll go even one on top of that. Ryan Howard created the shift in the big leagues because you were one of the first people that I ever saw dudes like start to shift, shift, like putting dudes out in right, right field. So am I right or am I wrong? And how much would your career have changed had they not – had they had they banned the shift sooner when you were still playing? So they were shifting Barry first, Bonds. Okay, that's so fair. that was that's the fair. first where I had seen teams shift was they were shifting Barry, and then it fell upon other, uh, I guess, below average speeded runners. I didn't like think of myself as a below average runner, <laughs> but uh, not those that weren't very swift of foot Flip from the, the left foot. side. Right. So, um, but no, but I think they, they, that it started with Barry. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it was a difference maker because I remember having those conversations with Milt and just saying like, man, you know, I, I feel like I'm losing like 50, 60 hits a year. Like, <laughs> from from the shift because you're battling and balls up the middle or or seeing eye singles or hard line drives that are in the outfield and guys are making plays on them like those are supposed to be hits 
And, um, you know, because I always thought that, like, once the ball leaves the infield, if a guy made the play and he threw it away, to me, I'm like, that's a hit, bro. You're, you're not – he's not playing routine second base. That's like trying to have the right fielder throw you out from first – you know, from right field. It's a different throw. But uh, – and I told my wife, I told uh, Crystal, I said, you know, watch what happens. I said, once I get out of the game, they're going to switch this up. They're going to get rid of that shift at some point. Watch. Because guys' numbers were struggling or were, were all going down. Like the quality of players and and, and um, people's numbers were going down that it was really starting, I think, to, to damage the product of the game. Because if you remember, Bryce made the all-star team and he was hitting like 216. Yep. I was like the Biggie and Tupac are doing that stuff, bro. I was like, hey, I can hit 220, 240. Put me an all star. Like I'd have been, I'd have been a nine time all star. <laughs> <laughs> like, but it's crazy because when you look at the game from that aspect, right, and you look at the game from when we were playing, like at first base, you had Pujols, you had me, you had Lance Berkman, you had Carlos Lee, you had Derek Lee, um, Adrian uh, Gonzalez. Like, bro, the, the amount of first basemen at at that time, it was like trying to make an all-star team was like, it was insane. But everybody was hitting, in order to make an all-star team, you had to be hitting like on the low 290. So, you know, when, when averages went down and strikeouts and people stopped caring about strikeouts, I was like, well, damn, I wish they would have not cared about strikeouts when I was playing because that's all <laughs> I kept hearing about was like, he struck. I didn't get any Cy Young consideration for striking out almost damn near 200 times like what's going on <laughs> you know so it's like me me and mark reynolds it's like it's funny because pitchers can win the cy young and the mvp but like me and mark reynolds didn't get any kind of cy young consideration for striking out damn near 200 times so it's like let's, let's make it fair guys let's go what are we doing <laughs> what, are we, what are we doing I like that. But, I like yeah. that. That's where you learn, man. But the strikeouts were a part of the game. And it's just it's, it was just interesting that with the shift, I think them eliminating the shift, in my mind, no doubt, in my, I'm, I'm a Hall of Famer. My average, I'm probably somewhere in the 280, 290 range. You know, you're giving me more hits. You're giving me more RBIs. So uh, in my mind, yeah, I, I would probably be a Hall of Famer if there's no shift. And, and it's a good call. Hey. I'm with you, and it's also a good call on damaging the product because it was not pretty to watch, I'm telling you. I mean, from a fan perspective, it got ugly to watch on the field, and it's not like other sports didn't adjust and evolve with the times. We were just slower on that department. So last one for me is, on the slowness there, what if DH was an option in the NH in the NL for your entire career as well? Obviously, you could do your thing at first, but Number one, give the legs a blow. Number two, the whole Tommy situation that we were talking about earlier. Well, we got a spot for you. Come on down instead of yeah. uh, your boy KK getting up at the plate in the nine spot. Yeah. No, you know what? It, it, it changes that dynamic because it's going to be able to add, you know, three, four, five more years on a guy's career um, to where they can continue to play. And it's kind of like, it's almost like a, a, a partial day off uh, when a guy just can go in there and go and hit and not have to necessarily go out into the field 
so they can kind of rest their legs and rest their body just a little bit. And they're going up there and just going to hit. So, you know, I think when teams are now going to sign these guys to these large long-term deals, that definitely plays a factor to where it's like, okay, well, if he can't, you know, if he's not as mobile and can't get him out on the, you know, on defense, well, at least we can keep his bat in the lineup as long as he's uh, still producing. So, you know, that, that definitely had that been there when I was um, still playing, like, yeah, I probably could have eked out another two, three years and shut pieced it. Yeah, and you would have been up sooner too. And I mean, we yeah. keep making the Bryce comps, but you know, this past season, Bryce gets to come back and, and be at DH and we get to have one of our superstars back in the sport quicker. I mean, that's the move. Yeah. I, I like it. I mean, Crafty, what, what do you think in terms of what was your thoughts in terms of pitchers hitting and as uh, to the DH? I mean, I like the DH, but at the same time, it's kind of like when I was playing, it was almost like for the most part, 90, Eight percent of the time, it was, it was an out. It was a guaranteed out at the the bottom of the lineup. Yeah, and you know those dudes, they would always hit that early BP while we're stretching, and they're out there like, <laughs> oh man, like, did you see that one? Like Cliff, right. is, Cliff and Cole, they could put the ball in the in the seats, and then Doc every once in a while would lift the ball to the outfielder, and KK <laughs> was like, he was like trying to be like Chase up there. So no, I don't want to see those dudes hit like. It's funny to watch them hit, but I'm not out here to, like, there's plenty of dudes grinding away in the minor leagues that want to hit dingers in the show. Right. I don't need to see Cliff Lee hitting, <laughs> trying to hit a homer in the game, trying to have all these competitions in BP with Doobie was pitching to him. Rich Doobie, the pitching yeah. coach, was throwing BP to him. No, I love the DH. I love it. We were like, hey, hit that ball in the seats. All right, hey, show me that butt. Yeah. Get that butt down. <laughs> Get that button down. Hey, go pick Top up the, the balls, cage. too. Top of the cage. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Ryan, this was awesome, dude. It was great to catch up with you. You know, we appreciate it, obviously. Awesome to have Kratzy kind of reminisce with you, too. Um, keep doing your thing. And uh, thanks for joining us, man. No, appreciate you guys for having me, man. Had a blast, always. Kratzy, always fun, man, catching up. Uh, Got to do it more, bro. Got to do it more. Absolutely. But you live in hot Atlanta now, but I got to say, I got to say, I wasn't sure that hairline is looking tight. Like, Man, you know, I try to keep it crispy, baby, like a two piece with a biscuit now. Come on now. <laughs> I got to get, I got to get, get it cleaned up a little bit. Got to get it faded up. That is a nice, you got, you got a good for you at your age. Just I'm turned trying, 44. Bro. Love that. Trying, man. There's, there's some, there's some spots. There's some, oh. there's some stuff trying to creep up there, bro. It's trying to creep, <laughs> trying to keep. Oh, we don't see it. That lighting is perfection yeah, no, right that's, now. That's so. why I gotta stay over here. I gotta keep. I gotta keep you right here. If we go, if we go above, man. It's gonna, <laughs> get a little we don't suspect. have the drone view. We're gonna keep that yeah, out. We're yeah. not there yet. <laughs> I, I, first year yeah. of the show. We're not there yet. But that's right. Um, no drone shots. <laughs> not yet. Uh, thanks to the MLBPAA for setting this all up. For more on your favorite former players, baseballalumni.com is the spot. Thanks again to Ryan Howard and for Kratz on Braun. We'll see you next time on Legend Territory.